Welcome to the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, where it is never too early for fantasy football. My name is Jeff. And I'm Alex. As always, thank you for downloading, listening, liking, and commenting on our podcast videos. Please join our community by subscribing to us on the socials. Our handle on all platforms is at N2E Fantasy. We are also available on all major podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy. Alex, what do we have on today's show? Today's show is going to be covering the AFL, the AFC and NFC Conference Championship matchups. So we'll be talking about those. We're also going to talk about coaching news and other news around the league. And we're going to be talking a little bit about the Senior Bowl, just a few names to keep an eye on. Uh, we might talk about the Senior Bowl next week because it is on Saturday this week. So maybe we'll talk about risers and fallers a little bit. And then we also are unveiling our early Early, early, never too early, perhaps, though. Uh, first round predictions or first round rankings for redraft leagues. So we'll just give you a little a taste of that uh, and see what you guys think. See if we're close to our own rankings. But we'll, uh, we don't want to spoil that. That'll be for the end for you guys. So let's get started here with the AFC Championship. Jeff. We both went with the Ravens in this one. I, I still, I don't regret picking the Ravens. I, I know that the Ravens lost, but it was a close matchup. And honestly, I feel like the Ravens lost it more than the Chiefs won it. So what do you feel about the Ravens in this one? Do you feel like they just dropped the ball? Do you feel like maybe just Kansas City is too good to be in the playoffs? What do you think happened in this matchup? I feel like the Ravens did not drop the ball. I feel like they forgot to run the ball with their running backs. And the fact that they had six running back carries, two Zay Flower carries, and eight Lamar Jackson carries tells me that their spy injury of the Chiefs with Willie Gay really changed the Baltimore Ravens game plan going into this matchup, which was a mistake in the end because they got away from what they were good at. And they got too cute, in my opinion, because they, they took this Willie Gay injury and they saw what Josh Allen did against the Chiefs once Willie Gay was out. And they ran with that with Lamar and it just uh, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel like the Ravens. That's not so Raven, basically. Um, <laughs> a little callback to the 90s, early 2000s there. Um so, but the Chiefs have been playing great football down the stretch. So I don't want to take anything away from the Chiefs in this particular situation. So I think Mahomes has this innate ability that Tom Brady had, that he can take a team that doesn't have as much talent and make them that much better in the postseason when a game matters. Now, I think Patrick Mahomes' biggest concern is going to be regular season games where they don't matter. So I don't know if he can necessarily get motivated like he does for like this, these postseason games for those. And I think that really showed this year because now we're here in the postseason and Patrick Mahomes is kind of putting this team on his back, throwing some crazy throws, having Kelsey make some crazy catches, which tells me that Kelsey's healthier than he's been all season. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where we're at there. Um, anything I missed in this matchup, Alex? It almost felt like Lamar Jackson felt like he had to outduel Patrick Mahomes and try to throw it to win it when it made a lot more sense to hand the ball off because that's what, how their offense has been doing it all season. They have the the highest run to pass ratio of any team in the league. They're the only ones that run more than they pass as a whole. 
and they just stopped altogether. Last last week they ran 31 times. This time they ran a total of six times or 16. Out of that, only six of those 16 were actually by the running back. So why they they didn't hand the ball off more, I don't know. Could they could they use an upgraded running back? I think they could. And I think that there's options out there to upgrade that position. However, the guys that they had were still able to have success in other matchups and throughout the league, the, the league year. I don't know why they changed it up because I felt like that was a vulnerability in Kansas City's defense is whichever team was going to be able to run the ball was going to win that game. And they didn't even seem to try. And I know that there was a drop touchdown pass for Flowers, the rookie wide receiver. He dropped a touchdown pass, fumbled it into the end zone, which became a touchback, which turned the ball over. So not only did you lose the six points that the touchdown would bring you, you now turn the ball over to the other team. That wasn't good. Lamar Jackson also threw a horrible pick in the triple coverage. You can't do that. Uh, he also fumbled the ball and lost it. So Kansas City didn't turn the ball over. They won the turnover, the, the, the turnover battle there. So that's ultimately what decided this game. So, so to me, it kind of feels like the Ravens should have won this game, and they lost it on every level. Bad play calling, abandoned the run, lost the turnover battle, and this is at home. This doesn't bode well for Lamar Jackson because he is one and three at home for playoff games. Like you should, you should be winning at home. You should not be losing at home. I don't care who the opponent is. So, uh, I'm not sure Lamar is ever going to win in, in the postseason. <laughs> if I win, I mean he's not going to win. Not going to win a Super Bowl. Uh, I'm not sure how much of this game plan was Lamar Jackson focused versus how much of this was on the offensive coordinator and that'll be interesting to see over the next several months because I, I'm assuming it'll leak out kind of what happened in this game we'll see he's got one legitimate wide receiver to throw to and flowers and then he's got two busts in Aguilar and Bateman and then he's got one hate to say it but has been and Odell Beckham Jr. so four first round wide receivers only one of them is is uh, worth rostering and Mark Andrews just came back. He w- clearly wasn't fully healthy. So that's another thing that they're missing. Isaiah Likely is not the caliber that Mark Andrews was pre-injury. He even called for the ball on the, the triple-covered interception. So he's the target that the interception happened on. So they need some improvements there, but they still should have won this game. I don't regret picking them, but I do regret how it played out. Yeah, I just uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens next week when the Chiefs battle the winner of this next matchup that we're going to talk about, the Lions at the 49ers. Alex, this is a game where I got wrong and you got right, but but I looked pretty darn good going into halftime because it was a 24-3 to lead at halftime, or was it a 24-7 lead at halftime? Uh, as and, you long-time listeners know, I had money on the Lions pre preseason to make it to the Super Bowl to win the NFC. So I was pretty much feeling good either way because either Detroit wins, Jeff may be right, but I win money because that's who I bet on before the season started, or San Francisco wins. I was feeling pretty good about cashing in that uh, that bet at halftime. Had had a nice grande margarita, was feeling pretty good at halftime, and then all of a sudden San Francisco comes back in the second half to crush that hope. but. Jeff, go ahead. I'm sorry for that interlude. So it was 24 to 7 at half. And then the 49ers came out in the second half and outscored the Lions 27 to 7. 
And that was the biggest difference in the game is this was a tale of two halves. Dan Campbell made some very questionable decisions in the third and fourth quarter going forward on multiple fourth downs and also running the ball late in the game with where he had to burn a timeout, which forced them at the end to go for an onside kick after their last touchdown. With that extra timeout, they probably still go for the onside kick, but there is a greater chance of them getting the ball back with a minute or so left. Um, so Dan Campbell will be scrutinized for this. Um, execution was just as poor because the, some of those fourth downs were good play calls, just bad execution by the wide receiver, dropped by Josh Reynolds. Now, I know this is kind of where Alex and I disagree, and we've been arguing about this all week. I believe that CMC and Elijah Mitchell carried Brock Purdy here to the championship of the world. I don't know why we call it a world championship, but I've heard multiple former players call it a world championship. So we're just going to go with it. The Super Bowl is the best football team in the world. And uh, Purdy would have had one touch or he had one touchdown and one interception. He would have had zero touchdowns and two interceptions. It's a Lions player catches the ball that ricocheted off of his helmet. I don't know why he's playing with his helmet like that. Um, and instead, that got went for a 51-yard catch to Ayuk. I know in the past I've talked about bad plays getting good results and good plays getting bad results, and that's why I watch the film and don't look just at the stats. And I think Brock Purdy's pass that should have been intercepted and it went for a 51-yard gain and set up a touchdown two plays later um, was a bad play with a good result. And I also think that the Josh Reynolds play on fourth down was a good play with a bad result. So I think those exist. Those are really, really important because eventually the tape does win out. Down the stretch, Brock Purdy has had to be carried by the team more than him carrying the team. And it is a little bit alarming, especially with him going one-on-one -on -one with the most likely candidate to be the all-time quarterback though like i think there's a world where he passes tom brady in that i think he's more talented than tom brady patrick mahomes um but i think that uh brock purdy sam darnold i think they're pretty interchangeable at the quarterback position um i know alex you want to rebut me on that but i will say before you rebut me on that sam darnold played with mostly backups in that week 18 matchup he looked the exact same as brock purdy and and Sam Darnold was drafted in the same draft class as Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, and he's the first quarterback from that draft class to go to the Super Bowl. That's all I got on Sam Darnold. Uh, who's starting that Super Bowl, Jeff? The the guy that is getting paid a million dollars a year, and the guy that you don't want to pay $50 million a year because that might mean Christian McCaffrey's off the team, or George Kittle's off the team, or Brandon Ayuk's off the team. And he can't function like that at all. He's not going to be a guy that rises all tides. So it's just not the way that Brock Purdy is. Okay. So, but before I go in on Brock Purdy, just want to be clear. If Brock Purdy threw the ball to Josh Reynolds, it would have been caught, right? Maybe. Because he's got a horseshoe up his backside. Brock Purdy's been a really good quarterback this year he struggled around the time where he had a really bad concussion and i know that over the last few weeks though he's had a couple balls that bounced in a favorable way so it wasn't uh it didn't end up being an interception it they ended up getting caught and that that's lucky in that regard but 
that happens for a lot of quarterbacks. It's only being called out for Brock Purdy. It's not being called out for other quarterbacks in the league. I think that Josh Allen has more self-destructing plays than Brock Purdy does. But Brock Purdy has one or two that are really bad that people want to point out. But no one wants to point out passing to the fullback, Kyle Jeselnik on the side where it's literally no one could get to it. It's a perfect throw. He was able to get to him where he could tie rope it on the sidelines. That's impressive. It's it's never pointed out that, uh, oh, he actually can run. He actually looks good when he scrambles around as well. It's not just Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or Hertz that can run with their feet. Purdy's capable of doing it as well. No one wants to give him credit for it. I think that Purdy, this is just, his first full season starting. So he didn't even start for a full season last year. He took over as the fourth string quarterback last year and ended up getting getting the starting job. And I think he will get a payday. I think he will be the 49ers quarterback for the future. I think he's a better version of Dak Prescott. I think that he does more in the fourth quarter in the second half than Dak Prescott does. Look, he's going to the Super Bowl. Dak Prescott has a more talented defense. He has a more talented wide receiver than not. either wide receiver with the Than 49ers. the San Francisco 49ers? Uh, C.D. Lamb is a better wide receiver than both of the guys with the 49ers. Now, you can say potentially the 49ers receiver core might be better because it's a little bit deeper. But C.D. Lamb, Lamb is better as an individual receiver than anyone on that team. Now, Kittle is a better tight end than anything Dallas has as well. And I think that McCaffrey is way better than Pollard is at this point. So you can make those cases as well. That's just Why'd a fake. A... Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> every, every, everybody knows. Everybody knows, except for some weird people out there that probably like Pollard for some reason. <laughs> but everybody knows, for the most part, that McCaffrey is a phenomenal running back and probably the best running back of the last couple of decades. So uh, I don't think I don't think you can say that that's not true and i think you can even say you know from me talking offline to you that i think kyle shanahan's the best offensive mind probably the best head coach in the league right now uh i think that for what people thought bill belichick was i think kyle shanahan actually is he and his dad their coaching tree has produced amazing coaches uh kyle shanahan's system has always been productive i think that they're always going to be competitive every year uh, i think he's a phenomenal coach all of those things are true the, however brock purdy has been the best statistical performer at quarterback out of any of Kyle Shanahan's quarterbacks. So he's, he is better than anyone else Kyle Shanahan's had to work with at this point already. It took Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins took until the Shanahan's were gone to actually show up and show those stats. He didn't put up the same kind of stats with them. Matt Schaub put up a whole bunch of stats in Houston one year with Kyle Shanahan as the offensive coordinator, but he wasn't nearly as efficient as Purdy is. So if Purdy didn't get a concussion, he would have probably pushed close to 5,000 yards through the air. So That's just... I, I, I need to rewind here for a minute. Um, so did Kirk Cousins play with the offensive talent that Brock Purdy is playing with right now? No, I don't think so. Did Shaw? But he also was... Uh, Schaub had Andre Johnson. He had, That's it, though. Oh, he had Owen Daniels, one of the best receiving tight ends at the time. He had Arian Foster. Yep. Did Arian Foster shone brightly for a few years, man. He was he one of the top he running did. backs in the league. He did, but he hit the cliff faster than I've ever seen someone hit the cliff before. 
he got an Achilles, right? I, I think he just, the vegan diet destroyed him. You hear it's that, true. kids? Don't go vegan. <laughs> it, it's not good for your bones and your muscles. Don't don't go vegan. Anyway, he also, he also had Dwayne Brown at left tackle, also one of the best left tackles of the past decade. So uh, it's very comparable. I mean, obviously, I think 49ers are a little bit better than that. But I, I think Brock Brady's good. And I think Brock Brady is a lot better than Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold has a first-round pedigree. But out of all the other quarterbacks drafted, he's a bust. And Sam Darnold is a step down on Brock Brady on every every level. For the games that he's played, his numbers have all the been backups. lower per throw, per per game. His everything's been lower. Like he got to play with the first string, but you're right, there's some backups. However, if he was the same caliber or better, he would be starting over Purdy. And that's just not gonna be the case. Sam Darnold's a career backup for the rest of for the rest of the time he's in the league. And yeah, I don't see a world after last year where they would bring in any option last year and not get pretty a shot. So I don't think that that logic works exactly there because of what Purdy had done the year before and had won what seventeen or like ten and zero or something like that before he got injured. Yeah, I think Purdy. I think Purdy's the guy, and I they've already tried trading for a quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo. That didn't work out. They tried trading up for a quarterback in the draft with Trey Lance. That didn't work out. Neither of those guys ended up being very good. Purdy, the last pick in the last pick in last year's draft or the two years ago draft, Mister Irrelevant, ended up being pretty phenomenal and doing exactly what Kyle needed. So maybe at some point they'll get a different quarterback. I think Purdy's the guy, and I think they're going to be rolling with him, just like Dallas is going to be stuck with Dak and rolling with Dak. Yeah, I would much rather have Dak because Dak's doing everything that he's doing on a high contract and Purdy's doing everything that he's not doing on a low contract. So the talent only gets worse as the quarterback gets paid more. And I believe there's one last thing that I need to correct you on. The last like month of the season was not that great for Purdy. It's kind of what made him fall out of the MVP conversation. His concussion happened in October. On Christmas, he threw zero touchdowns and four interceptions, completing sixty or fifty-six percent of his balls against a good Baltimore defense, and that was by mm-hmm. far the best team that they played that year. When they play good, well-rounded teams, he is not good. Uh, Green Bay, he only put up two fifty-two and one, and that's the t- team that allowed over three hundred yards passing to Bryce Young, and the only team that allowed over three hundred yards passing to Bryce Young. So, I just don't see it. There's a lot of evidence out there that shows that he's beating teams that aren't as good, and he's using Christian McCaffrey to do it. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Who, who is a better defense, the Baltimore Ravens or the Green Bay Packers? Baltimore. Yes. By far. Baltimore was a number one defense last year, or this, this season. This, this season. Number one exactly. defense. Exactly. He put up same stats against both teams. Okay. What has Dak Prescott done against good teams this year? He, who did he beat this year? Now you're making me look at some Dak Prescott edge here. He beat Detroit. And do you not believe that they're questionably, a good team? Questionably beat Detroit. And he beat them. Bogus I mean, called. it's official in the record books. Yeah, it's officially rigged. No, uh, the officials screwed that game up. So no, that is a questionable game. And it was my beloved Seahawks who gave them a run for their money and don't have a top defense. 
didn't make the they, playoffs. They beat the Giants 40 to nothing opening night. And I'll completely agree with you. The Giants were a hot mess last year, but going into game one, the Giants were not considered to be a hot mess that they turned out to be. So they were destroyed by San Francisco, 42 to 10, mm-hmm. right? They barely beat the Chargers. The Chargers ended up not being a good team. They did beat the Rams before the Rams actually turned their season around. Lost to Philly. Let's see here. Didn't play anyone good. Didn't play anyone good. Didn't play anyone good. Played someone that missed the playoffs. Uh, they did beat Philadelphia when they were on a downslope. Got destroyed by Buffalo. They lost to Miami. Beat Detroit over a questionable officiating. Uh, beat Washington. Lost horribly to Green Bay in their only playoff game. So, to me, if Dak is better than Purdy, Dak should have beaten Green Bay. Um, so, let's discuss this a little bit further, and then we'll, we can move on to the league news. But let's Purdy opened up with Pittsburgh, and they beat them 30-7. to And that's when they had Kenny Pickett, Mr. One Touchdown per game. Nothing more, nothing less. Uh, they beat the Rams before they turned the corner. That's your words, not mine. Mm-hmm. They beat the Giants that were miserable at that point. But they only beat them 30-12, to 12, but the Cowboys beat them 40-0. to zero. Interesting there. They beat Arizona, who was starting Josh Jobs at the time. Arizona also. Yeah, Arizona beat Dallas, by the way. Yep. But that was their one quality win so far. They lost to Cleveland, and you're going to blame that on Brockbury's concussion, and that's totally fine. They lost to Minnesota. They lost to Cincinnati, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that that was Joe Burrow's last game. So they did lose to a Joe Burrow team, so that's acceptable. But uh, they beat the Jaguars, who didn't make the playoffs. They beat the Buccaneers, who were In the a fringe team all year. They were a playoff team. They destroyed the Seahawks. They destroyed the, the um, Eagles. They destroyed the Seahawks again. They destroyed Arizona. And they lost to Baltimore on Monday night, where Purdy completed 56% of his ball. So when he faced a good defense, he just isn't able to live up to it. So that's what I'm saying. Like, he's not worth the big money because he's not going to pull a team over the good team, the good defenses. He's just not going to do that. And they only the, lo- the quarterbacks that can do that should get paid. They lost to the Rams, which really doesn't matter and doesn't count because they didn't start he either didn't starting quarterback. Purdy didn't yeah, play. Didn't count that one. Neither did, did Stafford. They mm-hmm. beat Green Bay, who beat Dallas. They yep. beat Detroit, who should have beaten Dallas. And now they're in the Super Bowl. So, honestly, I, I think that San Francisco's schedule was a lot tougher than Dallas's schedule. Pretty comparable. I mean, they have Seattle, Arizona, which are like gimmies this, this year for them. Okay. They Pittsburgh, playoff yeah. team. Pittsburgh, playoff team. But, Rams, but at playoff that point, team. were they? Dallas playoff team, Cleveland playoff team, Minnesota borderline, Cincinnati borderline, Jacksonville almost made it borderline, Tampa made it playoff team, Seattle borderline barely missed it, Philadelphia playoff team, Baltimore playoff team, Rams playoff team, Green Bay playoff team, Detroit playoff team. I don't know, man. Pretty tough schedule. Yeah, except for the best teams, he didn't show up. So we'll see what happens next week. You know how I feel about Detroit. You know how I feel about Green Bay. Green Bay is starting a first-year starter right now. Detroit doesn't have the coach right now to kind of win the games that they need to win. Um, And that was very, very, very evident with Dan Campbell's play calling. 
there's a difference between aggressive and reckless, and he crossed into the reckless realm. But uh, they could have very easily lost that game, too, on, uh, last week. Oh, great. I think that neither one of us is going to sway the other on our Brock Purdy opinions. We will break down the Super Bowl in our next episode, so we'll get a week to kind of think about what Mahomes versus the 49ers looks like. And uh, Alex, do you want to get us kicked off with some league news? Well, first we can get kick-started with one of your positive news. So Panthers hired Dave Canales as their head coach. He was the Buccaneers' offensive coordinator. He is responsible for making Geno Smith have a career year two years ago. Uh, and this year, he is responsible for rehabbing Baker Mayfield, which is someone that your Panthers are familiar with because Baker was a quarterback they tried to use last year. It didn't work well. So it's very attractive to hire a guy who made him look good so he can tell you how he maximized it and he can maximize uh, Bryce Young. He's the guy that you need to try to help Bryce Young get back on track and to live up to his potential. He's a very creative play caller. Uh, he is going to help you guys build up. You got him for a six-year deal. He wasn't someone you were initially excited about, but over the last week or two, you've started to get excited about him, Jeff. So what is it that you like about him and why have you changed your tune? And is this a good hire? Yeah, it absolutely is a good hire. He is going to be calling the play calls. He's got six-year contract going into this which tells me that Tepper's committed to him. It also tells me that they're going to be running the Canalis system, whatever that is and looks like. The offensive coordinator that they just hired is going to be basically an OC in name only. So Brad Idzik is going to be, he's coming over from the Buccaneers as well. So there is some sort of continuity on that level. But uh, he's going to come over and call the Canalis offense. And that's going to be great because as we've discussed previously, about every three years, teams cycle through one offensive coordinator. So once Brad Isaac goes to a new team or is let go for whatever reason, we get to keep going with the Canales system as long as it is successful. This is going to be a good hire for the Carolina Panthers long term. Okay. Uh, I really like it. I, I think he was one of my top guys that I was looking at. So I'm, I'm happy for you guys. And I'm just glad that... Uh... You guys didn't steal away one of one of the Texans coaches. <laughs> so hopefully it's a brighter 2024 season for you guys. Yeah. And uh, we're going to have to go against uh, a division rival that hired a new head coach themselves and a new offensive coordinator and Raheem Morris and Zach Robinson. And I'm going to let you, Alex, get kicked off with talking about them because I believe you know a little bit more about Raheem Morris and Zach Robinson than I do. So Raheem Morris got his first head coaching job with the Buccaneers, and that was when they drafted Jameis Winston. Uh, didn't work out well for him. It, it kind of flamed out, but he's been a very good defensive coordinator, very good defensive mind. He was on the Falcons defensive staff before, so this is kind of a return for him. He recently was with the Los Angeles Rams as their defensive coordinator. I think he's matured a lot. I think he spent he actually spent a season as an offensive coach to kind of learn the other side of the ball a little bit better. So I think that coming from the Rams organization and gone through the experiences that he's had since the last time he was a head coach, I think he'll be better this time around. And he's bringing over the Rams passing game coordinator who has had success with Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua and working with Matthew Stafford. 
So Zach Robinson, who is a former quarterback himself, uh, I think that he will help get Atlanta's offense back on track with Drake London, who should be a really good wide receiver. Hasn't really had the opportunity with Arthur Smith as the head coach. So now this, this change should help him. Kyle Pitts, this should help him as well as getting healthy. He's played hurt all year this year. I think that Bijan Robinson's going to get a lot more pass work. So I, I would expect them to improve. And they're going to have to find a quarterback now because that is something that they need to be successful. It's it's not the move that I thought that Atlanta was going to make, but the way that it played out, it's not necessarily a bad move. Yeah, you know how I feel about hiring on the defensive side of the ball. And we're kind of at a spot right now where you're expecting a defensive guy to be able to help the offense out. And that might be a little bit too much of a tall task. Let's say Zach Robinson is decent and good. He's going to get a head coaching gig and in relative short order. So where does Raheem Morris go at that point when that happens? We'll just keep poaching guys off of the Rams or the Shanahan tree. Yeah, I mean, eventually you're going to get a bad apple, though. Sure. Hmm. Honestly, I think all they need to do is maybe get a veteran quarterback, maybe someone like a Kirk Cousins, and uh, I think that they should start running the ball in a more effective manner and pass the, their actual good weapons. Uh, Jeff, do you think that Kirk Cousins or someone like Carson Wentz or Gardner Minshew could make their way over to Atlanta and be good. <laughs> Stop tugging at my heartstrings. Um, obviously, Carson Wentz would be a pro bowler there, like, and he probably had to bring the team to the Super Bowl. Um, don't want Minshew, don't want Wentz to go there. Um, the reason being is because I don't want to have to root against them, and I can't root for the Atlanta Falcons. But I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to go there. He's named his price to stay in Minnesota, and that's a two-year, $90 million contract, so $45 million annual value, which I think is a steal for him. Um, he was on a pace last season before his injury that was ridiculous. So and on a year that was supposed to be a down year. So I do want to say that I do believe that Kirk Cousins is going to pick to continue to work with Justin Jefferson, because I believe as soon as Kirk Cousins resigns, Justin Jefferson resigns as well. But uh, I don't think a two-year, $90 million deal is out of the question for Minnesota to hit. But just this past year, just this past year right here with Kirk Cousins, he had 18 touchdowns and five interceptions in eight games. That is a ridiculous pace. That would have been like 37, 38 touchdowns and about 10 or 11 picks in a stretched out 17-game season if he would have made it 17 games without and didn't rupture his Achilles. And to have that in what was projected to be a down year, that would have been pretty ridiculous to me. I agree. Uh, we can move on to the next head coaching hire, and Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh officially likes the colors blue and yellow. He has agreed to become the Chargers' new head coach, uh, the highest paid of the offseason, $16 million per year is what's being said. I think it's a really good hire for the Chargers. I think that the, I think that him going there will help them turn their team around. Um, I thought he might go 
to somewhere else, but that that job didn't even open. So I think it's probably the best situation for him right now. But Jeff, you are more excited about this. You like Justin Herbert a lot, and you like this landing spot for him. So what do you think about Harbaugh being there? So Justin Herbert is going to be my quarterback one this year. No, I'm just kidding about that. But uh, I think that Jim Harbaugh is a very, very, very good hire. Um, I don't know if you've mentioned yet, but the Chargers also hired a GM from Baltimore, John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh's brother's team. So I think there's going to be some really good chemistry there. And I think Jim is going to get a lot of personnel say, which I don't need him to have the end personnel say, but I need him to have a good chunk, especially as he knows college players, considering he just came from the last... uh, what has it been, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years that he's been in college? And uh, I just believe that they should give him some free reign here, especially on the draft side of the house, because I know that he's recruited a lot of these players. He has seen a lot of these players play, and he's probably even recruited some guys that aren't even in college yet. I don't know how early they do that or how early they start scouting some premier high school talent, but there could be a good three, four, five-year run where Jim Harbaugh has a leg up on everyone because he knows the college talent a little bit better. So I kind of would like to see the Chargers lean into that. And then as he ages, I would like to see Horitz get some more power inside of the organization. But I know that typically doesn't work like that over time. Typically the head coach gains more power, especially if they start with it. So I think Harbaugh is going to bring balance back to the Chargers offense. I think that through his nine years at Michigan, through his time, as the San Francisco head coach, he is, and when back when he was the head coach of Stanford as well, he's never had a quarterback throw for over 3,500 yards in a season. So it's hard for me to imagine that Justin Herbert, as good as he is, is going to have the fantasy year that everyone thinks he's going to have. Um, but that being said, yes, he played with. Stanford Andrew Luck and not pro Andrew Luck, but he's never really had someone um, at this stage that has actually been as talented as Justin Herbert. And he reportedly loves Justin Herbert as a quarterback. So maybe he would be more uh, agreeable to being more on the passing side, have a higher pass ratio. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't think that's we should just say that Justin Herbert's going to put up the stats. I think he'll be more efficient. I think the offense will be more balanced. I think they'll win more games. I think they'll make the playoffs. But I don't know if this will be the pass-happy offense that people seem to think it will be. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think they're going to lean into their strengths, and their main strength right now is Justin Herbert. And this is going to be where Justin Herbert takes another step forward. And uh, we'll see what comes of that. But I do believe that Justin Herbert will take another step forward this upcoming year. All right, well, speaking of the Chargers, now that Harbaugh's in town, Kellen Moore is on his way out, and he has gone to the Philadelphia Eagles. So he will get another two chances to stick it to the Cowboys. Uh, Right now, we don't know if he was the problem with the Chargers' offense or if it's just so many injuries and just getting snake snake bit. He'll have a chance to help fix Jalen Hurts in that offense. So... I think this move right here is a make-or-break move for Nick Sirianni, the remain head coach for the Eagles. So if this works out, Nick Sirianni is probably going to keep his job as head coach. If it doesn't, both these guys, both Sirianni and Kellen Moore, are going to be gone. Jeff, do you think that's about right? Yeah, I do believe 
that that is right, but he is entering hostile territory. I don't really even know how to put it. It's just, it feels like elementary school. And I don't really know if Kellen Moore is doing himself any favors, setting him up for self for success with Sirianni, because Sirianni could be one and done, and Kellen Moore could be back where he was with uh, the Chargers, back on the street again next year. Um, it doesn't seem like he's even being considered for head coaching jobs at this present time. Um, obviously, now he's with the Eagles, but I don't believe that he was even considered before that, and that's a huge step down from last year. And the other thing is, is let's say Sirianni gets fired midseason. He's the interim, most likely, head coach that comes out of that. But he did get passed over for that last year by the Chargers. So just a lot of interesting little tidbits. I don't really know how to read Kellen Moore at this present time because he did leave Dallas, and Dallas did get better on the offensive side of the ball. And he went to the Chargers, and the Chargers got worse on the offensive side of the ball. I don't know if that's a coincidence or what, how to read that exactly. I'm not sure the Cowboys got worse on the offensive side of the ball. The Cowboys' offense changed. It, the ball was being spread out. The run game was a little bit better with Kellen Moore, surprisingly enough. Um, they had Zeke, though, too, in town. The Cowboys' receivers, this year, CeeDee Lamb blew up because he was basically the only one being targeted. Um, so the change has just been to focus on the star player, whereas Kellen Moore's offense, they spread the ball out a little bit more. I mean, that's not exactly true, considering how many car- targets and catches Keenan Allen got this year. I, but a lot of that's because Mike Williams got hurt early on in the year, and it's because their tight end struggled with injuries. It's because uh, Quentin Johnson just drops balls, so why would you throw to him if he's just going to drop the ball? Trey Palmer, he got hurt. So they they had lots of injuries, as well as Herbert finally got hurt, and uh, backups typically lock into star players as well. So Eckler didn't do much this year. Kind of had a pretty bad down year for, for him. All right, and lastly, on the the coaching news here, Ben Johnson and Bobby Slowick stay put. So Ben Johnson with Detroit stays in Detroit. Uh, He's their offense coordinator. He's a hot name this offseason, the number one hot name right behind Jim Harbaugh. He wants to try to win a Super Bowl this year with Detroit. I, I think if he doesn't do it this year, I think he'll move on. And I think that there could be some really attractive jobs, like Dallas could open up next year. Philly could open up next year. I think the Bears could open up next year with a Caleb Williams as their quarterback. Uh, I think the Chiefs could open up either this offseason or next offseason. Those those are very, very exciting opportunities. So I could see him holding out another year. Jeff, I know that you have some thoughts on Ben Johnson, and you feel like he should just take the money. He He likes the situation he's in, and it's not all about the money for him. Bobby Slowick, I think, is waiting another year to be seasoned as well. So how do you feel about these guys staying? I know Houston paid Bobby, so he'll he'll stay. But how do you feel about Ben Johnson? So I will start with Bobby Slowick here for a second. It's a great call for Houston to just pay the guy, keep him around. He needs to prove that he can stick around and uh, adapt to NFL defenses learning CJ Stroud. So he now gets the opportunity to do that because teams will have full film on CJ Stroud in this scheme and we'll see if he has a second pitch second option on the offense going forward or little wrinkles that you'd like to call into the offense now Ben Johnson side of the house this is two years in a row that he's turned down head coaching jobs 
and this year rumor just wanted to stay in Detroit and kind of win a championship with them. What if that championship never materializes? And what if this is all for not? He's going to end up costing him himself anywhere between 10 and $20 million for making this career decision the last two years. So on the low side, he would get paid $5 million a year. And on the high side, he'd probably get paid about $10 million a year as a first-time head coach. So I just don't really understand what he's doing because this is life-changing money. This is a life-changing event. Uh, there's 32 of these positions in the NFL, and that's 32 jobs. and there's hundreds of people vying for them a year next year you're gonna have bill belichick vying for a job and he'll probably get one somewhere and you're gonna have others that are vying for jobs like mike frable will be back into the mix next year um i just think that the lack of appreciation for this opportunity is kind of showing through and i just think that ben johnson if he's not careful there's going to be that next hot offensive coordinator that comes through and he could get passed by really quickly without even getting an opportunity to be a head coach. I don't know. I, I think it's a calculated risk. I, I think that he's looking at the jobs next year, and they're a lot more attractive than any of the jobs that were this this year. Maybe he was interested in the Chargers job. Maybe that's the one he would have gone with if they didn't hire Harbaugh. But I, I think that he looked at these and it's like, the Eagles didn't open up, the Cowboys didn't open up. Maybe I'll want one of those. Maybe I'll want the Bears. Maybe I'll, I'll want the Chiefs. I think those are all much more appealing. But what if none of those this, open up next year? Then he can continue to stay with the Lions and he can build up his coaching his coaching career saying, look at the offense that I've built. I've done this consistently for two, three, four years now. I don't think that that is a bad way to go about it. He's still very young. And honestly, if he took a job now, if he got paid $10 million for whatever, whatever the contract was, Five years. And he got fired two years in because the GM was bad, the owner meddled, the roster talent was bad. He got blamed for it because he's the head coach. He might never get a head coaching job that way. And I think that he would rather... Yeah. I think he would rather be in a situation where he could stay and not move and uproot. Like, you're looking at it as money. Like, you probably aren't locked down to living in a specific spot. But these guys, they, they have families. They get tired of moving around. They want to settle down in one area. So he wants to pick the spot where they're going to be for like 10 years. So he has to be very careful about that. It has to be the right situation. It has to be the right owner for him. It has to be the right amount of money. He has to have the right amount of decision-making when it comes to personnel. Uh, I think that there's a lot that goes into it. Maybe they have a quarterback. Maybe they have a high draft pick where they can take a quarterback. A lot of things go into it, and it's not about just money. And he, no, he decided I completely to do, understand. So I, I'm proud of him for making a decision that was best for his family at that time. And I would like to see Detroit yeah. go back to the Super Bowl or go to the but, Super Bowl for the first time. Call me old school, but the whole point of working is to earn a paycheck so you could retire someday. Well, what what if he goes to Buffalo next year? What if they fire McDermott? Then that would be worth it, but it would also be very cold. I mean, I, at this point, I, I think that there are other jobs that are very appealing that he would have left out if they were open. Yeah, I think McDermott's reaction to the 9-11 news last year and his team rebounding has kind of earned him some good grace with at least fans and ownership. And and we'll see what where that goes. But that was a big deal that he took ownership of that. And he also didn't like double down on his coaching. He actually like 
backfired. Dorsey went with Brady. Like he just he did made all the right moves at the right time. Like obviously that didn't end the best for them this year, in in a heartbreaking fashion. But I I I think that job is not, is more secure than you think it is. And I think Mike McCarthy's more secure than you think he is. Sirianni is the one that's a question mark. But I could see them going for a veteran guy like Bill Belichick with the team that they have. Yeah, supposedly the owner hates Bill Belichick, so we'll see. But they need a grown up in that room because Sirianni's not it. Yeah, I agree. Um, we can briefly go over the Senior Bowl a little bit. It's going to be happening on Saturday. So I don't know how many of y'all are aware of this, but a lot of savvy football people are now starting to see the benefit for the Senior Bowl because you you get some hidden gems in the draft and all of these coaches get to spend a little bit more hands-on time with these prospects. So they get to find out who they like out of that group and who they think they can work with, who's more talented than they thought, guys they might not have scouted very well. So it's it's very good for, for teams and these players. So like for instance, last year's Senior Bowl included Ty J. Spears, Michael Wilson, Tank Dell, Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave, Puka Nakua, our boy, Jeff's Lord and Savior, Puka Nakua. Uh, these are guys that just exploded. So these are guys that, as more and more people realize how important the Senior Bowl and and also you know Shrine Game as well, how how important these are. These guys are all going to start shooting up draft boards. The guys that, that do well in in the week of practice, the guys that perform well in the games, they're going to shoot up the draft board and they're going to be focal points on their teams. So the guys who I'm excited to see, and we'll hear about more people that, that show up. Uh, the the two quarterbacks that are the most noteworthy are uh, Michael Penix from Washington and Bo Nix from Oregon. Those are the two Boy. guys that are high profile that might go in the first round. And then running backs, we have Rasheen Ali. We have Jalen Bright from, from Tennessee. Um, we also have uh, the USC running back as well um can't remember his name right now but uh those are three guys that i'm interested to see how they do for the running back position and then wide receivers it's a very deep class this year so some of the wide receivers at this um senior bowl are xavier leggett roman wilson malachi corley lad mcconkey and brendan rice who is uh jerry rice's son so those are guys that are already making plays day one and in, in, uh, in practice. So those are guys that I want to see how they do the whole week and play in the game. These are guys that I'm going to be focusing on. Um, and then any other names that pop up, we'll also mention, I guess, next week. We'll, do a, we'll have a one section that we'll talk about risers and fallers from the Senior Bowl. But Jeff, that's about it for me. I don't know if you have anything to add on that. No, I think that uh, we are in good shape with our starting to scout the NFL draft. And the main reason why we're scouting the NFL draft is to get ready for Dynasty Rookie Draft. Um, and I believe, is, is Marshawn Lloyd or Brendan Rice the guy that you're looking for? At, uh, actually, it's uh, Marshawn Lloyd at running yeah, back at USC. The, the USC running another, back, we, yep. We got another Marshawn entering the yeah. NFL. Beast Mode All Part right. 2? Maybe. All right, Jeff. We've got our our top 12 redraft rankings. So basically first round as of January 30th. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? 
so I think we, so I'll let you go ahead first and announce your first overall pick and then I will just uh make fun of you for it. I doubt it because I we haven't looked at either of ours, we kept it a secret, but I'm pretty sure we'll have the same first one. And that is Christian McCaffrey running back San Francisco. Jeff. Oh boy. I am also go to- going with CMC at one oh one. I just think that having the advantage at running back is so huge, and Christian McCaffrey is that advantage at running back. There's a ton of wide receivers that you can pick over the next few rounds. So if you start with Christian McCaffrey and go receiver-receiver in the second and third, you're going to be golden as long as you pick the right receivers because CMC is always a good pick. All right. My second overall is a return of Justin Jefferson. The number one receiver changes every year. I don't think it's going to be Tyree Killigan. I don't think it's going to be CeeDee Lamb. I think Justin Jefferson, fully healthy. Kirk Cousins, fully healthy. I think Justin Jefferson is the wide receiver one, and I think he's the second overall pick for me. Jeff, how do you feel about this? So, also, for my number two is Justin Jefferson. I believe he returns to form. I believe that he has Kirk Cousins. Uh, He is the first wide receiver that I want off of the um free agency pile once three draft league start let's see uh let's see what's next all right number three for me is cd lamb until they get another target to spread the ball out to i think he's going to be heavily peppered and uh, i think (laughs) i think that he's just going to get a sheerly high volume of targets and uh that makes him competitive jeff do you have someone different or are we three for three uh, this is going to be our first difference. I'm going to go with Tyreek, who's equally highly targeted and 95% faster than C.D. Lamb. 95% faster? Uh, I think it's really probably 5% faster, but that 5% <laughs> means everything. Uh, yeah. Uh, I actually have Tyreek Hill at four. I think that you can make a case to interchange those past three, uh, depending on your preference. I think Justin Jefferson's the best all around. I think C.D. Lamb's a really good slot receiver that also can go outside. I think Tyreek Hill is a burner. For me, Tyreek Hill, in standard scoring leagues, I think Tyreek Hill would be the highest of the three for me. But in PPR and half PPR, I think that he's the third wide receiver. I don't trust Tua. They're probably going to keep Tua. They're probably going to extend Tua. I think teams have started to figure out this offense, and as good as Tyreek Hill is, I just don't think he's the number one receiver or number two. I think he's the third of those three. All right, and I'm going to flip-flop what you just did, and I'm going to go CeeDee Lamb, and I would take him the third wide receiver, fourth overall in the 2024 draft as of right now. Um, And I don't really think there's too much that could sway me other than Jefferson getting a really bad quarterback uh, out of my top four so far. All right. So number five for me, we go back to the running back position. I have Brees Hall. At running back number two, fifth overall, New York Jets running back, Jeff. I think that Aaron Rodgers being back and being healthy, I think they're going to lean on the ground game a little bit. And I think that Aaron Rodgers over Zach Wilson will make teams back up their defense, space things out, so Brees Hall will be even more effective than he was this past season. Who do you have here at number five, and what do you think about this pick? How do you love Brees Hall more than I love Brees Hall? It just doesn't feel right. I looked at but, other running backs and other wide receivers. I'm like, I don't know if I could put them over him. 
right? So we're going to go in a different direction here completely. And my fifth pick, and because I love Brees Hall, so I don't really need to say too much about him. I'm glad that you've come around on him because last year we were kind of having a debate between Brees Hall and James Cook. And I feel a little more vindicated, a little more just smart when it comes to that particular pick and that particular vision. And he did well last year, even coming off the knee injury. Oh, right. So my fifth pick, though, is Jamar Chase. We have a healthy Joe Burrow coming back, and I believe that's only going to speak good things for Chase. And I believe that Chase is one of the best, if not the best, pass-catching options in the NFL right now. And he's going to only get more targets with T. Higgins likely to be off the NFL uh, roster of the Cincinnati Bengals. So he'll be on a new NFL team, and we just don't know what that team is right now. My number six, staying at the running back position, I'm going Kyron Williams. He's my running back number three at this moment. I think what he's shown is pretty phenomenal, and I did not expect that of him going into this season. I think he wildly exceeded my expectations and how effective he was and how spry he looked out there. I, I can't I can't see a way of lowering him at this point. I know it's one season, but it was one heck of a season. There are guys that are getting older that have been pushed down this list that were here as soon as last year. Um, I just, I can't, I can't put them over him. So they're further down the list. Jeff, how do you feel about Kyron Williams here? And who do you have at six? I feel like it's too reactionary to last year. It's just one year. We have seen in the past with Daryl Henderson. We've seen in the past with Cam Akers, where Sean McVay does sour on running backs very quickly. So we will see if that's the case here, but uh, I I don't really know how that that does shake out. Um, any rebuts to what I just said? I don't think Daryl Henderson or Cam Akers had the year that Kyron Williams just had, and they already talked about how much they liked Kyron Williams last year. People were scratching their heads because uh, he didn't look like he was going to be good, and uh, this year he just kind of blew up. I think it's fair to have be a little cautious and hope, uh, think that he could have just been a one-year wonder. That's completely fair, but he looked really, really good rushing this year. So I, I would potentially take the leap. That's a big leap. That's like uh, taking Bijan that high of last year leap, and that did not pan out for a lot of teams. Uh, so a little bit less leapy because he's the former number one overall running back, and he's one year older than Kyron Williams. So not only does he have, he's only one year older than Kyron Williams, so 25 to start the season versus 24 to start the season. And he already has one RB1 season under his belt. And I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor here. So it's just the right pick. And he's a guy that had returned to form last year. And uh, he should be able to, be fully healthy this year should have a full year with anthony richardson they're not going to run richardson a ton because of we've seen what's happened to richardson when he runs and gets hit it doesn't wind up well ends up with a garner Minshew season and a missed playoff opportunity because of a pass that was slightly thrown behind the running back and the running back just didn't put the effort into catching that ball so it was a interesting end to the season there but i'm gonna go jonathan taylor just think that no zach moss there i just think that this really takes off for him next year Hmm. I'm a little bit worried about Anthony Richardson taking away some for Jonathan Taylor. But number seven for me, I'm going to go Jamar Chase here. 
He's my wide receiver four. Um, I like him for a lot of the same reasons that you said earlier. So I'm just two spots away from you. Um, so what do you, yeah. do you think it's fair to have him here at seven? And who do you have at seven? So we have the same order of wide receivers. So absolutely, I find it fair. The first round, we're picking nits, trying to make sure that uh, we pick the player that we want and can really enjoy having for the entire year, especially for a first round pick. Um, so I do love Chase this season, but totally fair to make him wide receiver four and make him down below a few additional running backs. But back to Taylor and Richardson really quickly. I do believe that the Colts learned their lesson last year, having Richardson run the ball. So they're going to have to do something to protect him a little bit more from himself. And that is going to be giving Jonathan Taylor, an all pro former RB one, 25 year old Jonathan Taylor, the football more often. They just paid him too. All right. Who's your number seven? Number seven for me is going to be staying in the running back position. And I'm going to go with my guy, Brees Hall here. What's interesting about this first round though, before I break down anything about Brees is that by the time I get to the seventh pick, I might Brees Hall might already be gone. So I might only get a shot at Jonathan Taylor, my sixth player, like kind of the same players, different order type of deal. But Brees Hall, for all the reasons that you said, more open offense. Aaron Rodgers should play more than four snaps this year. Hopefully he does. I mean, the NFL is better with better quarterback play. So, and we know that he doesn't mind passing to a back either. We've seen that with Aaron Jones in the past. So, really hope to see that continue for Brees Hall. All right. My number eight overall player here, and that is Bijan Robinson. I think, hallelujah, Arthur Smith is gone. They've got a defensive-minded head coach. They've got an a offensive coordinator from a really good offensive team with the, the Rams. So I think that Bijan should get used more both on the ground because they have a defensive-minded head coach and through the air because they hired a passing game coordinator to be the offensive coordinator. So Bijan should finally get the touches that he should have gotten this past season as a rookie. Um, I, I like him. He's my number four running back, and I'm excited for him to potentially have a really good season. Jeff, who do you have at eight? And what do you think of uh, Bijan here? I could absolutely see Bijan go that early. Um, I'm not personally going to go the Bijan route. Uh, saw it last year. He fumbles a bunch. I don't know if it's him or if it was the offense that was called last year, but I'm going to hedge my bets a little bit on that one and go with a more sure item here. So before I announce my eighth pick, let me ask you a question. Do you believe this year at quarterback, the Las Vegas Raiders will be better than they were this year, regardless if it's O'Connell getting gear two or them going out and finding a quarterback? Do you think the overall quarterback play will be better? Yes. So with the eighth pick, I'm going to go Devontae Adams, who finished wide receiver 11 with that abysmal quarterback play this year. And there is always a potential that he gets traded to the Jets. And if he gets traded to the Jets, then he would obviously reconnect with his buddy Aaron Rodgers. But prior to his wide receiver 11 season this year, he was wide receiver two and was wide receiver three in the previous two seasons. So I just kind of, I can't kick him down that far because of one season with very abysmal quarterback play, at least to start off the year. So for me, they have a defensive-minded head coach. We don't know who their offensive coordinator is yet. I think that That's they're fine. going they're going to want to lean on the run game more. So 
The quarterback play is going to be more efficient. I think they won't pass nearly as much, though. So Adams has to share with Myers and Mayer, the, the tight end, potentially the running back position. I don't know if he'll ever put up the top five numbers that we're used to. So I would just be a little He's cautious He's going to be there. the number one option. He'll always be the first read. Maybe. But I don't know if it'll be enough. So that, that's just my concern. Um, at number... Even on a run-heavy team, there still needs to be passing touchdowns and passing catches. And I just think Adams is a touchdown magnet and will continue to do that this year. I think there's a decent chance he doesn't finish as a wide receiver one. Okay. Well, he's done it the last three years with three different quarterbacks. Um, so I'm not that worried. Barely did it this year. Barely. And it's just because Aiden O'Connell's a gunslinger. If it was if it was Jimmy G all year, he definitely wouldn't have gotten top okay. the top wide receiver finished. Anyway. So that proves that it's quarterback play and not him. Uh quarterback play, scheme, situational, all that kind of stuff ties into it. Through the fantasy playoffs he was wide receiver seven, so I'm very comfortable with this. Okay. Which very different on that player. Anyway. Number nine. You'll be happy about this one too, Jeff. I have Brace Young. <laughs> running back number five, Travis Etienne Jr. with Jacksonville. Uh, I think that uh, looking at the running back situations as they are, you have to put someone who right now is a bell cow back, for better or worse. I think he has no competition at this moment. So... He catches the ball. He runs with the ball. I think you have to put him in there. And yeah, I don't have anything else to add to that. Yeah, so I completely agree with you that he deserves to be a top running back. I think you have him five. I have him running back six. So we're just not. I'm just not quite ready to talk about him specifically right now. But I don't hate it because of the year that he's coming off of, and I do expect more of the same from the Jaguars moving forward but i have to go with number nine i have to go with very very sure thing amara st brown and i have to go with him because he has consistently performed at the level of a wide receiver one and i don't think he has much of a shot to finish wide receiver one but this year he finished wide receiver three the year before wide receiver eight year before wide receiver 21 he just keeps moving up the the boards and so wide receiver six feels like a or yeah wide receiver six and pick nine overall feels like a very fair spot. And as you can see, I went wide receiver heavy in the beginning of this draft. Um, speaking of wide receivers, I am going Keenan Allen at my ten, my number 10 spot here. My wide receiver five. <laughs> it's so funny. Your guys, I'm, I'm putting a lot higher than you have, which is hilarious. Uh, I'm putting guys that are the focal point of their offense and don't have much competition. I'm putting them in the top spot where I feel like they belong. And, I think you have some injury worries and some age issues when it comes to Keenan Allen. Just like I'm concerned that the offense may not be as pass happy, but I know he's going to be the focal point of that, that passing side of the offense. So I'm putting him at 10, my fifth wide receiver here. Jeff, how do you feel about this spot? And who do you have at 10? You are much higher than him than I am. Um, so as of right now, they have Mike Williams on the roster. I know you feel like that, that won't be the case. Then they have year two of Quentin Johnston and then year four of Josh Palmer. Um, so 
I just feel like they're they're going to be able to spread the ball around. There's a chance and a very likely chance that they go tight end in the draft very early in that first round. And uh, we'll see if that actually pans out or not. But Keenan Allen will be 32 this season, which I know you say he's an ageless wonder. And I do believe that his talent carries him further because the the, the style and the way that he plays, he's not like a burner. He's not somebody that's going to lose their speed. Uh, but for me, he ended up cashing in at wide receiver 13, actually wide receiver 12. And basically what that looks like is he is the um, last receiver of the wide receiver ones for me, but I do believe he's a wide receiver one still. So I got him in the third round right now, and he's my player. And you're very down on the Chargers off passing offense overall, and he's a first rounder for you. Yeah, well, I think he's the only one that is worth it in the entire offense. So Palmer, I think, is a role player. Quentin Johnson, I think, has a high chance of ending up as a bust. I mean, I, I hope for his sake that he improves this coming season, but I, mean, I didn't like him as a prospect. I don't think he fits the team. I don't think that he's a good receiver. Maybe he'll grow. I don't know. Uh, Mike Williams, I like, but he also has injury issues, and they might move on from him, which would mean Keenan Allen's the sole really good receiving option. I think Eckler probably is gone, or if he stays, he's inefficient. Maybe they go Brock Bowers at the tight end position in the draft. Maybe they take one of these highly rated wide receivers and help out. Either way, I think Keenan Allen, the vet, the trusty safety blanket, the guy that Herbert can always rely on is the one that's going to get the, the most stats. Um, that can change in three months. That can change in six months. We'll see. This is our, our first uh, stab at rankings. We can always update it, but this is how I feel right now. Yeah, we'll see if uh, the Chargers give Mike Williams his year 30, his age 30 season. So we'll see if that's the case. I can't believe he's stuck with one team over all, all eight, well, all seven seasons with the Chargers. So. All right, so we're going to go into my 10th pick right now, and we are going to go back to the running back position, and we're going to go B. John Robinson here, because I do believe that he has a decent year this year, but uh, you're a little bit higher than I am on him. Yep, um, I think that's fair. I mean, it's only it's only a couple spots from each other, so I, th- yeah. I think it's fair. Uh, my number 11 is Amon Ross St. Brown. I like him for all the same reasons that you did. For me, he's kind of stayed the exact spot that he was last year, just feel like I just carried him over to the exact same spot at 11 here. Um, I just think the rise of Sam Laporta, odds are they bring in another um, wide receiver to complement him. I think that Gibbs is going to have an increased target share next year. So it's hard for me to to put uh, Amon Ross St. Brown in the, the, the very top group of the wide receivers here, but he's always reliable, always trusty. He's young. I don't think he's had really much health health issues at all. So. He's someone that I feel very confident about, and he's he's not going to uh, let me down. So I like him at 11. I completely agree with that, obviously, because we are two spots apart on St. Brown. But, yeah, you may not have an option to select him at 11, and I might have an option to select him at 9. But we'll we'll see when we get to draft day what that looks like. <clears throat> so moving forward for my number 11 pick, I'm going to go with free agent Saquon Barkley here. I have to believe that he's going to be in a better situation than he was this year. And prior to this year, he was kind of on the CMC pace. 
and we know CMC is running back one, so you would be lucky to get a running back that could produce similar numbers to CMC at 11 overall. Right, that's a little high for, for my taste for Saquon because they just said Daniel Jones is their starter. So I'm not very excited about that situation. I'm not sure that uh, the head coach there in Buffalo, or not Buffalo, in the, <laughs> the New York Giants group who was from Buffalo previously, uh, I don't, I'm not sure he's the guy, Dable. I don't think he's the offensive genius people think he is yet. I, I think I need to see him succeed a little bit. Uh, they're kind of trapped for a year at the quarterback position. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, eight men in the box defensive fronts. So I think it's going to be hard for me to trust Saquon. And Yeah, and we don't even know what team he's playing for. Yep. So maybe he'll go to a better situation. That will be a second team, which, as you point out multiple times, the second contract for running backs with a different team isn't always a, a good situation. In fact, it's often they're not necessarily going to ride you like the team that drafted you would so correct and i'm trying to think of a team that would ride him um somebody like uh philadelphia because they have all of the running backs going out on free agency philadelphia maybe dallas yep dallas likes their running backs it could be a good situation i think that his talent is elite so he's someone that could buck that trend but to your point, like, there's no guarantee that he's going to buck that trend. All right. The last pick of our little first round sampler for you guys, for me, is Jonathan Taylor, running back out of Indianapolis, who rounds out my, my round one. I like the other running backs that I mentioned more. So he's running back number six for me. Like I said, I think Anthony Richardson is a running quarterback, and I don't think it makes any sense to restrict his running when that's one of the reasons why you drafted him. Um, I think that Jonathan Taylor of late has had some injury issues. I think that he's getting a little bit older. I think he came out of college with knee issues. So while he's very talented, I don't think he's going to get the touches that will make him a top of the first round running back, but I still think he's good enough to be a first round running back in the draft. Yeah, we see that completely different because he just turned 25 like 11 days ago and that, that is not an old running back age and someone that has finished rb1 and okay fine use anthony richardson the way that you drafted him and watch him play three and a half games again okay uh, and taylor gets 13 and a half without him weren't, weren't you telling me that quarterback injuries happen more in the pocket than they do scrambling around didn't you they say do, that but it me? wasn't the case with richardson yeah i think it was a freak way that he landed i think that if he just lands better and practices falling, I think he'll be okay. He needs to take those senior courses for, for elder folks. Practice? It's like, practice how you fall. Do stage falling. Come on now. That would be great and dandy and everything if it wasn't three separate injuries that knocked him out in three separate weeks. Well, one was a concussion. Yep. That happened to a lot of quarterbacks this year. And you're one was a knee and one was an arm. You're thing. What now? Shoulder. One was a knee and one was an arm. One was knee, one was shoulder, one was concussion. Yep. The uh, shoulder was the only... knees and toes. Yeah, the, the concussion was one, maybe two games. Shoulder is the one that ended the season. That happens to anybody. Yeah. And I he mean, came out early in the game one from the knee when they were still I mean, in the game. Herbert's season ended, I guess, I guess, you know, he's injury prone, and I guess his career's over because he can't stay healthy. Burrow, 
He, uh, he's had though. injuries every year. I guess Burrow is just done for. You know, I guess Kirk Cousins is done for. I guess we had the record number of quarterback injuries, and you only pinpoint Anthony Richardson's, which I find I, interesting. I did because he had three separate injuries that knocked him out of games this year in the four games that he played. You just don't want to like him. You you went into the draft like him, not liking I, him. You you didn't want to like him. You were against him. I have him as a QB one this year in fantasy, but he's got to stay healthy. I think he would have been great for the Panthers, and they just passed up on that opportunity. I'm glad we didn't take a talent that raw because he may not see a full season ever. But uh, we'll see. He's going to have to take falling courses, as you had mentioned. There's a reason why you're suggesting that he takes falling courses and not Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow. They they have those classes for elder folks, just just so you know. So I've I heard about it from my parents. So you just got to take those classes so you don't break a hip. You know, break, break I had an no idea where you were going with this. <laughs> right, so my last pick, Travis Etienne. And uh, I don't think there'll be too much complaint there because you just took Etienne about three picks ago. So. There's was some surprising misses for you, just considering how you've talked about players. And uh, I just kind of want to talk to you a little bit about Jameer Gibbs, because he's one of your guys. Jameer Gibbs we're, is number 13. Did... James Cook ah, is number 14. For me too. What? What? I'm going to walk off the set. Garrett Wilson's number 15. Nico Collins, 16. DJ Moore, 17. Nick Chubb, 18. Just because coming off the brutal injury that he's coming off. Alvin Kamara, 19. Kelsey, 20. Laporta, 21. Puka Nuk- Boom, I just gave you two rounds. We promised one. Man. I just gave you two rounds. Alex, if we played, we would have none of the same players on our list, and we would just all get the guys that we want. This is so amazing and so funny at the same time. Um, but yeah, this is kind of where we are. We're seeing things a little bit differently right now. Obviously, I have Gibbs at 13, Kamara at 14, Kyron Williams at 15. I've seen Kamara do it. I've seen Kamara pa- catch passes consistently. So, And he did it all in three less games because he decided to take a little bit of vacation for punching a guy in Vegas a couple of years ago. Uh, number 16 is Puka, 17 is Diggs, 18 Chubb. Still love Chubb, but uh, we'll see what happens with that knee injury. I just saw that actually pop up in my feed the other day, his knee, the way that it was turned, and I don't really ever want to see that again, but I did see it again. Um, then I have Evans, A.J. Brown, Cooper Cup, Joe Mixon, Derrick Henry, and then Josh Jacobs, because I do believe Josh Jacobs finds a new team, because I believe he has a no-tag clause in his uh, enhanced one-year deal. I'm a lot lower on, on certain guys than you are, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we... We're talking about different players here, so this is pretty awesome. And uh, I uh, I found it funny on James Cook. He's currently uh, going to go in my fourth round. Let me see here. Where, where do I got him? He's going to go in my fourth round, in the middle of the fourth round. He just doesn't score touchdowns. He finished RB11 and played in every game this year. I don't know. I, I think his role keeps expanding every season. I actually have right now but Josh Jacobs in my, in my fifth round. What? Oh my God, he's one year off of a top three finish. In here. Yeah, but we don't know what team he's on. Down on him. Let's assume he makes a good decision. What's he made a good, good decision, decision on asking for no tag. The Ra- the the Raiders, yeah, uh, the Cowboys. Hmm. <sighs> if he goes so, to the Cowboys, I think I probably have to find a way to squeeze them into my second round. 
Maybe. Right? He's worth it. And then, obviously, Pollard's off the team, so that's an interesting scenario. And that would move Pollard around on my board because I'm not sure he would ever get a gig that he got now, and he's in my third round right now. So They might resign Pollard for cheap. Be a rotational back for whoever else they bring in. Absolutely. But no, I, Josh Josh Jacobs is lower because I need to see where he goes before I can bring him back in. Whereas I have much higher faith in Henry, but for me, Henry is low end third round, high end fourth round until I know where he's at. Yeah, I just go off of people's track record until we get their new location, and then obviously I'll adjust it accordingly. But right now. If Henry signed in a as good spot as he had last year, he would be RB twenty three for me. So he could go down from there, or he would. I mean, twenty three overall, not RB twenty three. Well, Josh Jacobs has only had one good season, so I'm not, I'm not going to to buy into him because he's literally only had one top season. All right, we will see. That's all I got there, Alex. Okay, well that does it for another episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you all for downloading or listening to this episode. And please don't forget to like and subscribe. Please leave us a comment and share the show. Every little bit helps. You can find us on all podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy. And with our handle at N2E Fantasy on all social media platforms, please join our community and give us a follow. Until next time, take care of yourselves. And remember, it's truly never too early for fantasy football. Thank you again. Bye, everybody.